Hello, everyone. Your host Naomi Tucker here. Talk racing to me. We'll be reviewing the Eclipse Award night. I'd never been to an Eclipse Awards before, so it was very, very exciting. And also, of course, being back at Santa Anita Park was marvelous. But before I dive into that, I got the chance to check in with a man who had a banner night at the Eclipse Awards. Back-to-back champion trainer Brad Cox also handled a essential quality to become top three-year-old male and trained Nick's Go, who was crowned Horse of the Year and Older Dirt Male. Now, I recorded this with Brad uh, just before the Super Bowl on Sunday. My plan was uh, to publish yesterday morning. Um, had some technical issues. <laughs> Got a new computer now. So uh, we're back at it again. But mind you, we didn't know who was a Super Bowl champion yet. I actually asked him beforehand who he thought he w- who would win. He was with the Bengals as at the Rams. Very, very tight game. Fun to watch. Actually uh, won a bet. Um, I guess my partner Alejandro as well, who was also on the Bengals. So I was pretty pleased that the Rams were able to get their job done. But let's check in with my guest. Brad, at the Eclipse Awards after party, I asked you, what does it feel like to be crowned champion trainer again? I do believe the first thing that you said is that Todd Fletcher is ahead or gaining uh, on you at present. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, nah, you know, he's, a, he's obviously got off to a fantastic start um, th- this year. But, yeah, you know, you, you're always, as a trainer, you have to stay focused and, um, you know, you have to, you know, we're blessed with a lot of great horses right now and, and we have a lot of um, um, great racing ahead of us and we have to stay focused and uh, continue to um, prepare these horses for big events such as Mandolin and the Saudi Cup. And, you know, we're hopeful that we can develop or have a couple horses that can, you know, put themselves on the Kentucky Derby slash Kentucky Oaks scene over the next month or two. So instead of enjoying that moment, you were already thinking, how, how can I get the title for next year? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you just, it's, it's, you don't really think too far ahead uh, with, with training horses. I don't think um, you kind of have to be in the moment um, and, you know, evaluating each individual and, and making a plan for each one of them. Um, and hopefully, you know, what, what comes over the next month or two will relay into something bigger and better for each horse. It's obviously not always the case, but, um, you know, you have to have a plan with each horse. And, and, and if you can execute things, you know, and things go well, you can be in a position where, you know, an invite to an Eclipse Award or, or whatever. But, you know, you have to, you have to uh, you know, be able to uh, maintain, um, you know, um, quality horses, quality staff, and it's, there's a lot that goes into it. Of course. Well, you also, aside from winning the champion trainer title, you actually set a new single year earnings record as well. 31.8 million topping Chad Brown's previous record of just over 31.1 million. Did you get a chance to let that kind of sink in the, the achievement that it signifies? Yeah, I think it, it was a great accomplishment um, by our team and, and, our, and our owners and, and our horses. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was it was a North American record. Uh, it means a lot anytime you can break a record. Obviously, Steve Asmussen had a fantastic year as well that he he, he broke the record as well. So, um, you know, it was it was a uh, you know a, a great great accomplishment. It was it, and it was something we wanted to win. I mean, we, if you get that close, I mean, you, you want to go ahead and seal the deal. It's kind of like I always said, like a trainer's title. Like you never 
personally, I don't go into a meet thinking uh, the goal is not to win a trainer's title. When you start a meet, the, 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 the goal is just to, you know, ha- have horses, put them in the right spots. Hopefully you win some races. And, you know, if you find yourself two or three weeks out, a month out from a meet and being over with and you're uh, on top or right there, then you may like zero in and target, you know, um, trying to get the fin- finish it off and, and being on top. So it's it's kind of like, you know, obviously when we started the year, we didn't think anything about trying to become the the leading money earner of all time in a year, but, you know, obviously horses like Essential Quality, Nick's go, um, several others, Mandolin that, that played a big role in, in big races that put us in that position. And were you tracking it then by the end? You were saying when you were getting close, were you yeah, keeping yeah. an eye on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Once I, I would say once uh, breeders cup, once we won the classic, obviously a $6 million race, I thought that, that was when we were like, yeah, this, this is something maybe we could get done. And that give us two, two months, uh, to, to, um, to, you know, get past the, the record. <clears throat> yeah. Obviously incredible achievement on its own, but over the year you won 10 great ones, 30 graded stakes win. Uh, what moment, or maybe even a few where you really thinking, wow, this is, this is an incredible year. Probably one of the best years ever for me. Um, probably at Saratoga. We had a great Saratoga. We got off to a really good start. I think we won 13 races at Saratoga. We won the Jim Dandy, Travers, um, the Whitney, uh, and, and to win those, those prestigious races, um, you know, and we'd already, we, we'd been able to win the Belmont. We were very respectable in the Kentucky Derby where we won the Pegasus and started thinking, you know, like this is, this is a great year. We obviously had to keep it going and, like we put a good plan in place um, with she dares the devil and getting her to the distaff. She won the Clement Hurst. She won the uh, Locust Grove at Churchill. Nick Sco was able to come off the Whitney and win the, the Lucas Classic and put him in obviously put him in a good position to to run well in the in the and he won the Lucas Classic. Put him in a good position to win win the British Cup Classic. But uh, you know, overall, I think I think Saratoga was like, wow, this is this is definitely a special year for us. And looking at the hat that you're wearing their essential quality let's perhaps start by talking about him you, of course you've got two big gray horses uh, that were doing very well for you throughout the year but let's start with him how rewarding was it to get your first classic win on board for godolphin as well yeah and i was huge i mean this cult he's been a lot to us from the start um he, he identified himself as a very good horse from the time he walked in our barn and uh, had high hopes for him Stafford watched him breeze a few times and thought, you know, he can be very special. Um, broke his maiden, you know, um, going short at Churchill and was able able to parlay that into to two grade one wins at two and championship honors. So that was big. And then, you know, oftentimes, you know, we see these two-year-olds, they're, they're precocious, they run well. And it, it lots of times they just don't bounce back at three. It, it takes so much out of them at two that it's, it's just, you know, there's no, no meat left on the bone really, or, or you squeeze too much on the lemon, but, you know, it just shows what he was able to accomplish at three and how, how durable, how much stamina he had and uh, just how much heart and determination he had to win races. Um, he's a very good horse. I thought it was very, very special that he was able to capture champion two-year-old um, last year. And then obviously this past season champion three-year-old means a lot. So, you know, very excited about him going off to stud there at Darley and, um, you know, hopefully here in a few years, um, you know, he'll, he'll still play a big role in racing and, and start making his march or his stamp on the breed. 
Yeah, well, I hope so as well. I definitely look forward to seeing him uh, go to stud and see how his progeny might fare. Did you celebrate after that first classic win? And if so, how? Um, I think we had pizza at the barn. <laughs> the, the good often crew. We went out the night before the Breeders' Cup. I had dinner with the good often crew. Um, Jimmy Bell and Dan Pride and Karen McLaughlin actually joined us. And it was a great evening. And it was a long day at the races. And uh, they were all going to uh, King Umberto's for dinner. And it was getting late. And uh, I, we actually had some we had some uh, horses in the next day there at um, at Belmont. We had a Philly running the Jersey Girl. And, you know, it was, it was already getting late. And we just kind of watched Essential as he wound down from the race. And he came out of it in good order. And just kind of thought, you know, it's it's uh, ordered some pizza. And that was kind of. That was the night. Well, it's always good. Uh, look, pizza is my favorite food. I think I always have pizza for my birthday and then with champagne, because in my mind, that's the best combination ever. I'm sure yeah. people will balk at me right now, but I think it's brilliant. So I agree with you there. And you mentioned um, your team OC at the barn and, and you've had incredible top level horses throughout the year. And you mentioned developing them. How, what is it like to do that in terms of as a team effort finding the right people developing them keeping them happy but also what has it meant for your barn to have all this success well i think everyone in our barn is is um you know that they thrive on good horses i mean um our top level graded horses i think that's what we're trying to develop um you know we try to win at every level we're racing at uh but obviously every horse that walks in the barn cannot compete at the greatest stake level it takes it's a very select group um, you know, we have to go through those horses. We get a lot of cereals. We get a lot of opportunity. Very thankful for that. But, uh, you know, you have to go through them. Um, and when I mean go through them, it's just, you know, measure their talent level. Um, and, um, you know, we, we've got a great staff in place. Um, our two-year-olds start out, most of them, all at Keeneland in the spring. They'll funnel through Keeneland, and then we'll, you know, ship them off where we feel like they need to be, um, where, where it's Churchill, New York, um, Indiana. We have several locations. Uh, there's a reason for that. I think it's an attraction for owners in regards to, you know, they can come to us, we can evaluate them and we can put them where, where we feel like they need to be. And obviously, uh, you know, they can compete at the maiden special weight level, but you know, there's obviously different tiers of maiden special weights. There's your New York, your Naira, your, your, um, Churchill, you know, Maiden special weights where, you know, you're obviously going to hook top barns in the country and, and they're, they're only going to run their best stock. So, you know, you have to be ready. Um, and on the other hand, you know, there's several horses we've had that have went on to win big races that have breaking their broken their maidens at places such as Indiana, uh, not taking anything away from Indiana. Cause I mean, I think they're, they, you know, we, Monum Wake girl broke her maiden there. Owen Dell broke his maiden there. So a lot of good horses have broken their maiden on our watch at Indiana. Uh, they just may not have been quite as precocious as we thought in the beginning, but obviously developed in a very good horse. So, um, but, you know, in, in regards to, to staff and assistance, I mean, we, we, you know, you just don't snap your finger or go off or uh, somebody X amount of dollars and they walk into the barn and they, they take off and understand what's going on with how we're doing things. Um, all of our assistants right now have been with us for no less than five years. I mean, it's, it's been, um, it's been, it's been a team effort and, um, you know, it's not like someone just jumped on board. I mean, we've all been here for a long time, putting in a lot of hard work hours and, um, it, it's, it's really paying off. And talking about assistance, I know that your family is also involved in the day-to-day -day running, including your son, Blake, being one of those assistants. How important a role has your family played throughout your career? Huge. Um, 
like, like you said, Blake, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a great horseman. He's, um, you know, been to Dubai, or I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia. He's going to go back again this year. Um, you know, he, he's, he's capable of uh, taking a horse anywhere. He basically had mandolin at the Haskell two weeks prior to the race, pretty much by himself. Um, so, I mean, he, he's a very, very capable horseman. He's good hand. He's knowledgeable. He knows what's going on. Um, so um, it, it plays a huge role. Mother, uh, son, Bryson, you know, he, he spent a lot of time around his central quality. Um, he's taking a little bit of a break right now. He didn't, didn't want to travel this winter, and I respect that. Um, so, um, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a family affair. My wife's a vet. Um, she does take the winter off. Um, obviously we have our six year old Brody at home and he, um, you know, he, he he's, uh, he's, he's in school. So she, she's, uh, she's training him right now. <laughs> I'm going to train horses. I'm going to let her train him, but he, he, he's, he's a fantastic boy and she does a fantastic job with him. And obviously once again, with it, without her, um, you know, commitment to, to, to what we have going on, none of this would be possible. She keeps her hand on the pole. She knows what's going on inside the business in regards to, you know, the paperwork, dollar and cent standpoint of it, and, and all of that. So, um, you know, she she uh, she definitely uh, plays a huge role in what's going on. You mentioned having horses at various locations. That must be quite a demanding schedule for you as well. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, um, perfect example. Um, I flew Wednesday nights to California. Um, arrived in really late stayed Thursday in California Friday morning got up flew to Dallas Dallas Little Rock stayed in was at Oakland yesterday which was Saturday and following the races me and Florent Giroux jumped in a car and drove seven hours and 15 minutes to New Orleans just to breeze just to breeze mandolin this morning at five five wow yeah. So, I mean, but, but the drive wasn't bad. We, we split it up. He drove the first four hours. I did the last three hours. We got home uh, here around one thirty, and we we're up at five. He worked a couple horses and um, off he went, but yeah, so he worked a couple horses and he jumped back in the car and he drove back to hot springs uh, to ride the car today. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, uh, you know, it's demanding. So now obviously I'll, I'll be, I'm here in hot in New Orleans, I should say <laughs> race today. And, um, I'll stay here for a day or two and I may, I may go to Kentucky for a couple of days and then back here next Thursday or back here on Thursday. Wow. That's, that is a lot of traveling, <laughs> making sure that everything goes well. Well, you mentioned breezing mandaloon this morning. Were you happy with what he did? Yeah, <laughs> really, really happy. He, he turned in a, a very good work. Um, we we were super pleased with with how he how he worked. Um, he worked three quarters in one eleven and one. I actually think the clocker had him in one eleven and four. I think I had him in one eleven and one. That was th uh, three quarters from the five eighths pole. Um, nice gallop out in one twenty five. It was a kind of a crosswind um, coming across the track. So I think he kind of carried him into the first turn and kind of maybe slowed him down a little bit galloping out. Mm -hmm. But um, overall, it was a really, really good move. Scope good after the, the work and and um, look good this afternoon. So he's going to ship the Palmettos tomorrow uh, night. Um, and he'll spend a day and a half there and then uh, jumps on a plane in Miami and off to, off to Riyadh. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad the preparations are going well. Is he the only one that you'll be sending over to Saudi? Yeah, he, he's the only the only one we're sending this year. 
Oh, well, very, very exciting. Of course, great hopefully, opportunity. Hopefully that's, hopefully he's enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I dare say he'd be the leading contender uh, going in there. I did hear that perhaps Mishrif was trying to defend his title as well. So of course, we'll see how the field uh, takes shape uh, over the next week uh, or so. Uh, Talking a little bit more about Nick's go, I can't let you go without talking about the horse of the year, all the dirt male horse. You mentioned the British Cup Classic, Whitney, Pegasus World Cup. What has he meant to you? You know, he, he's he, he's a he's an awesome horse. He really is. Um, he he's, he he w- just wants to be a racehorse. I mean, it, and he he was a damn good one. <laughs> uh, he, he's you know just a, a tough little tough, tough horse to be around in regards to just wanting, wanting to go train and do it. And, uh, you know, he, he means a lot to me. My family loves him. He's, he's just kind of a cool horse to be around. He just wants a mint when you walk up there. That's that's all he wants. I mean, he's just, he's pretty cool. He loves to train. And, um, and, you know, I was very happy that he retired, sound, healthy, and happy. And, uh, you know, it's awfully, obviously off to his, um, next career and like i've told a couple other people it's not the end of a book it's just the end of a chapter with him and now it's time for him to go off to stud and hopefully you know he can make his mark on the breed as well um tremendous amount of speed um was able to compete at the highest level in the world without lasix um was able to carry speed around two turns so i don't feel like there's any reason why he can't be a stallion if given the proper opportunity yeah well i'm sure that they'll make Sure, sure of that. Uh, I hope he will as well. Of course, Sabrina Moore, I know very well from the Maryland Circuit. Her and her mom, Angie Moore, uh, co-breeders. And he's meant so much flying that Maryland uh, flag for us anyway. So capping off an incredible night for you at the Eclipse Awards. If you now, you know, look back at when you started and now where you are now, who would be some of the trainers that you continue still to look up to or even try and model your uh, sort of training regime to? Well, um, to this day, I, I would say Todd Pletcher is accomplished as much as anyone. I mean, he, what he's done, I mean, if you just look at the earnings and the amount of stakes he's won, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, he, he's there every year with, with horses that are competing in the triple crown. So um, I would have to say, you know, he, he, he's the one guy I look at and think, wow, I mean, you know, for him to, to maintain his brilliant career for so long and obviously he's not slowing down um just tremendous amount of um respect for him and his operation and what he does so it's um it it really is is amazing he's amazing horseman and one of the best probably the best trainer of all time i feel like you're you're following in his footsteps when it comes to creating sires because i think top pleasure is uh one of the most (laughs) adapt at creating long-lasting legacies with his runners right yeah i have a a long way to go (laughs) He's, uh, yeah, you know, you're exactly right. When you look at like the top 10, 15 stallions in the, in the, um, you know, going right now, I mean, he just, he, the, I mean, he's, he's maybe more than half of them. So it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, it, that, you know, when he gets a horse to run in the afternoon, I mean, obviously it's, it's not by accident. I mean, it's, they're, they're serious horses and they pass it along. Do you ever get the chance to sort of, you know, exchange notes with someone like him who you look up to. Would you, you would you discuss certain things? 
No, no, I'm, I'm not really like that. I mean, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, we may talk about the track or something or get it. I may ask him like what he thinks of the track if a certain morning, maybe if I wasn't super happy with, <laughs> if, 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 super happy with some of my works or thing, may get his uh, two cents on his thoughts on the track. But, um, you know, no, I don't, I don't think in regards to the training end of it, um, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't say or ask too much. Um, just kind of, you know, go about our business and, you know, we would, like I said, I mean, we've got some, good hands in our barn that can kind of give us a great feedback on what's going on. And that's what it's all about. And aside from, of course, all the success that you've seen over the last couple of years, what are some of the future goals or dreams that you'd still have moving forward? Um, obviously, uh, to win a Kentucky Derby, um, a Preakness, more Belmonts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I think the Belmont was a big win. I mean, it was, you know, to win, to win a race that's been around 153 years means a lot. And it was, you know, American classic. So, I mean, it was huge, uh, obviously, you know, to, to, to be even more, to be, to be more, um, maybe, um, involved in the Derby preps and, and the, 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 the Derby, uh, last year was our first opportunity to run in the Derby. And I thought it went extremely well with second and fourth with essential and mandolin. Um, and, you know, just looking to build off that. Um, so that that's obviously goal one. I, I want to be, I would also like to be, uh, um, you know, be active year in, year out in, in, in Saudi Arabia and Dubai as well. Um, the, the, the Saudi cup, I think is a very important event. I think it's only going to grow, um, each year. Um, and then obviously Dubai is, um, an incredible place with, um, you know, a, a, an incredible racing carnival. And, and I, I think it, at some point, I mean, maybe even have a string in Dubai for the winter. I was about to ask you. Yeah, it, it's crossed my mind. I mean, if the opportunity presented itself, I think uh, it would definitely be something to think about. Um, you know, it's a beautiful place. I've not, actually never been to Dubai, so I can't say. <laughs> I, I've just heard how great it is. And just watching it on TV, you can tell it's, it's, it's first class. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So. Wait, that's, so that means you're on the lookout for, for a horse that can take you to Dubai then? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's mandolin. I mean, you know, we're going to see how the Saudi cup goes. Um, um, the guys are going over, I told them pack enough clothes. You may be, you may be going from Riyadh to, to Dubai. So um, that was kind of the same way we approached it last year with Nick's go. Obviously mm -hmm. we came after the Saudi cup, but you know, we'll see how things go with mandolin. You know, we'll go from there. Yeah, it certainly would be a great opportunity if he does well to then keep him over there and, and back up uh, into the Dubai World Cup uh, only about, what, four weeks later? Exactly four weeks later, right? That, I think um, that's yeah, yeah, I think, I think it is. Four, four, no more than five. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Dubai World Cup, end of March, Saudi, end of February coming yeah, up as well. Yeah. I don't have the calendar exactly. in front of me right now. Top of my head saying it's a, a March, yeah. the, a month, the way they've planned it as right. well. So. Well, that would be that would be incredible. Of course, I wish you the best of luck. And Brad, I'm going to have to let you go because I know that everyone wants to be watching the Super Bowl. We are recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. I was going to ask you for your pick, but as this comes out the next day, I think everyone would already be aware of which uh, team won. So <laughs> let, let's pretend uh, I'll use the benefit of hindsight tomorrow morning when uh, recording the rest of, of, of the show. But Brad, thank you so much for, for your time. And of course... Uh, Really wish you best of luck. I might go out to Saudi myself, so yeah. All right. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you very much for having me on. Couldn't be more thankful to Brad Cox for graciously 
providing me with some of his time. You know, he's a busy man and it's been a pleasure watching him do so well, develop these stars that are in his barn and always give people like me from the media plenty of ammunition to go with, plenty of stories and really, really help promote the sport that we all love. So thank you so much to him again. So let's discuss uh, the Eclipse Awards. Now, my time on the West Coast started on the Wednesday afternoon and kind of really started going that Thursday morning. Uh, got the chance to go to track work. I think I was there about seven o'clock-ish. It was great to go out with Chris Mertz, who's the racing secretary as well as director of racing, and then fellow Marylander Lacey Godet was there too and then Aidan Butler joined us for a barn tour and we got to see his horse 34 Coupe who's with George Papapodromo so that was a, a lot of fun and it's always a great experience to be out there seeing these thoroughbreds uh, be put through their paces and of course you want to you want to get some breakfast at Clocker's Corner I got a vegetarian style version of the breakfast burrito I'm pretty sure I wasn't hungry until well into that evening so absolutely worth your time now the awards themselves as well as the sort of the, the cocktail party before was pushed back due to a heat warning it was well over 90 Fahrenheit in terms of temperature I'm glad they did because by the time uh, Peter Thomas Fornatel, his wife Susan, as well as me, arrived. It was perfect temperature-wise. Everyone looked gorgeous and we're all standing outside. So it was quite quite the experience. And the night itself, I love listening to the speeches of everyone that won an award. People have worked so hard for this. This is their moment. One speech went a little bit longer, which I think everyone noticed. So even though people disagree with me, probably that the short format sucks at basically making people give a condensed speak. I do think it makes it digestible for everyone involved. I don't believe you want people tuning out if someone is talking for five minutes or more. So from that kind of event point of view and production standpoint, I think it makes for a much more streamlined show because you want to hear everyone and you want to see all the videos. So yeah, for me personally, um, Pete and I were giving out the two-year-old male champion trophy as well as being introduced as a multimedia award eclipse winners which was later in the evening I had a bit of a crisis at home in like the day and a half leading up to it when literally I just left and um I have two cats one of my one of my cats was uh missing we have two cats one of them is very smart street smart even she goes outside all the time the other one is a lovely sweet gorgeous not so very clever a bit bit dumb even actually so she ended up going outside instead of being outside for 10 days 10 10 days um 10 minutes in the garden she was gone for over a day and a half um and my partner Alejandro was looking for her everywhere and five minutes before Pete and I went on stage to give out an award and do like a tiny little speech thing I got the text that he had found her no collar on, she'd lost it, scruffy, cold, in a garden three doors down, which was a whole another story in itself. So before going on stage, all of a sudden, everything kind of turned around. Uh, I was getting ready to go to the Eclipse Award. I was nearly crying in the shower because I'm thinking to myself, this cat is just dumb. She probably just ends up 
running away, not knowing her way back home. Some kind of raccoon might have got her. Who knows? So just before I got on stage, that all turned around and I really, really wanted to say something in my acceptance speech in the lines of, this is the best night ever. I won a multimedia eclipse award and I got my cat back. But uh, I didn't want people to think that I was a little bit of a weirdo. Um, so I didn't mention it, but here, here is the story. It was honestly one of the best evenings ever. I will remember this for a long, long time to come. But let's move on to the actual review of the Eclipse Awards being handed out. Really enjoy listening to the speeches, like I said, but also looking at the different categories. And let's start with Horse of the Year and all the dirt male Nick's go. It was overwhelming in terms of the first place votes, 228 votes for him in Horse of the Year, 232 votes for him in all the dirt male, uh, Maxfield, Lil Latigo, uh, two and one, Loves Only You, two for Horse of the Year, Latrusca, two for Horse of the Year. So, Overwhelming votes, and those were only the first place votes that were reported by DRF. But look, we already discussed Nick's go at length with his trainer Brad. Um, he's a horse that's as honest as the day is long, and he's given his all throughout. Older dirt female, Latrisco, was the victorious there, who, of course, posted an exceptional body of work, including four grade one victories in the Spencer, the Personal Ensign, Ogden Phipps, Apple Blossom. And if you're then looking at her performance in the distaff, the British Cup distaff, the splits were dazzling. 21 and 4 for the quarter, 44 and 4 for the half. The Trusca ended up being done after about seven furlongs or so. But everything that she's done leading up to that was so superb that I, I do agree with her becoming that all the dirt female champion now trainer Foster Gujeris had already said he plans to bring her back to the races in 2022 and she did fire a bullet at Palm Meadows on the 9th of February five furlongs and 59 at one so super super encouraging to see her return again this year our owner breeder went to Godolphin with overwhelming amount of votes. Of course, as owner, they had 84 wins. And then they also got breeder with 136 winners and, and just massive amounts of prize money, 17.4 million as an owner, 18.4 million as a breeder. Of course, Godolphin had essential quality, three-year-old top male, you beer turf male. So they, they had an incredible year. And of course, trainer Brad Cox, I've already mentioned him with 189 votes and Hall of Fame receive Asmussen, 33 votes in second. And looking at the jockey championship, Joel Rosario got 213 votes versus Irad Ortiz with 17 votes. So he ended the reign of Irad Ortiz Jr., who had secured the title on three back-to-back occasions, 2018, 2019, 2020. Now, Joel had less wins than Irad, with Joel having 228, but Irad 336. But Joel had higher earnings at 32.9 million, and Irad was on 29.2 million. Joel had nine great one wins, including the Classic, the Whitney, the Pegasus World Cup on Horse of the Year. Nick's go, of course, he also partnered Echo Zulu to win the British Cup Juvenile Philly, so plenty of other talented horses that he's partner throughout 2021 and for two-year-old champion male uh, this one I handed out 
it went to Corinne Nish, the British Cup juvenile champion, who was the logical choice as unfortunately for the connections of Jack Christopher, he wasn't able to compete in the juvie due to a shin coming up the week of it. Now, Corniche remained unbeaten and ended up being the only Eclipse Award of the evening for trainer Bob Bafford. Now, the female two-year-old division, of course, Echo Zulu completely dominated. Three grade one victories uh, for trainer Steve Asmussen. And she's won by a total four lengths in the spinaway, seven and a quarter in the frisette, five and a quarter in the Breeze Cup Juvenile Fillies, a total of 16 and a half lengths I, I think that's enough said very much looking forward to seeing her back again this year now when it comes to apprentice jockey I thought this would be quite a tight race Jessica Pfeiffer as the top money earner John Geraldo on top in terms of wins Charlie Marquez ended up only having five months left as an apprentice but ended up being crowned meet leading rider at the extended Pimlico meet Pfeiffer ended up winning 156 votes against 46 for Geraldo, 12 for Charlie. All number one votes. I'm reiterating this again. So just very, very competitive. Now, Pfeiffer became the third woman to win the honor behind Rosemary Holmes Jr. as well as Emma Jane Wilson. And she's actually graduated with a degree in political science and a minor in constitutional law, which I massively respect. And then last May... She said what is believed to be a record in Southern California by becoming the first female apprentice rider to win four races in a single day. I thought this year's group of finalists was phenomenal and no doubt they all will continue to do very well once uh, once continuing as journeymen. Now, Charlie's already proven to do very well when winning the title at that extended Pimlico meet. So very encouraging and probably one of my favorite categories to always see these uh, apprentice rider being being rewarded for their talent and dedication. Now for the three-year-olds, Phillies Malafa by uh, overwhelming majority with her Kentucky Oaks victory as well as wins in the Alabama and the Central Park Ashland. For me, it was... The fact that she was under strong consideration to enter in the Belmont Stakes by her trainer Top Pletcher as well as owner Shadwell's stable. And I think Shadwell's vice president, general manager Rick Nichols was saying that she's best suited by longer distances and hence they were considering putting her in there. And of course, Top Pletcher already has experience of successfully sending a filly from the Oaks to then win the Belmont, having done it in 2007 with rags to riches now she ended up going to the alabama and saratoga instead to give her some more time in between the distaff breeze because distaff was always the goal and she ran a gallon third by a small margin when closing in rapidly of course we had a big price winner march lorraine they're making it the second japanese breeders cup winner ever now one of the other very open categories was that of three-year-old male champion. Foging uh, suggested so as well. 131 top votes went to Belmont Stakes and Travers winner Essential Quality. 84 went to the late Medina Spirit, of course, first past the post in the Kentucky Derby, as well as winner of the Awesome Again Stakes. And 18 went towards British Cup Dirt Mile Victor. Life is good. Now, just looking back at what both 
Medina Spirit, an essential quality, have achieved throughout their three-year-old seasons. Medina Spirit got a one or two buyer in the Kentucky Derby, won a seven in his victory in the Awesome again. So just taking sort of those grade one victories into account here. Essential Quality got a 109 winning the Belmont Stakes and a 107 winning the Travers. However, Medina Spirit has repeatedly bested Essential Quality, including for second in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And in my books, Medina Spirit also ran a stronger race in the British Cup Classic because it was much closer to the pace set by Nick's Go than Essential Quality ever was. So I must admit, I think I know where my vote would have gone if you are looking at horse performances only. Of course, everything surrounding the Kentucky Derby and the ongoing proceedings have cast a cloud over the industry and perhaps even subconsciously, voters might have taken that into account. Now, let's move on to one of the other categories, one of them being male sprinter. We still have that left. Jackie's Warrior won 10 votes against a British Cup sprint winner, Aloha West with 50. He was the H. Allen Jerkins winner, as well as Gallon Bob, Victor, Amsterdam, Pat Demau, all on his resume. He didn't really show up as expected in the British Cup sprint, um, which ended up being secured by Aloha West by the smallest of margins over Dr. Shivel. There wasn't an out-and-out star this year, it feels like, in the male sprinter division to me. So we'll move on to uh, the female sprinter division. We had Cece and uh, Gamin trying to fight out who will receive those honors. Cece prevailing with 136, Gamin 97 votes. Two great one wins for Gamin this year in the ballerina in the Derby City Distaff. But Cece took the Philly and Mare sprint at the Breeders' Cup. Gamine shot forward, had better Sophia pressing her. Cece about four or five lengths or so off them. And Cece ended up going wide with a move at the start of the far turn, really sweeping around them. She was rolling. That was an incredibly convincing performance that certainly sealed the honors for her here. Now, another category that Sometimes not everyone gets as excited about, but still, I think, very, very important. The steeplechase category, the Mean Queen with three great one wins was the Victress. And uh, one of the things that stood out for me was that Tom Garner was aboard in the Jonathan Shepherd. Of course, the Jonathan Shepherd named after the trainer that the trainer of the Mean Queen, Kerry Bryan, uh, learned her craft under. Now, Tom Garner, I remember from my days riding out in Lambourne. So just wonderful to see his success stateside. It's, it's always great to see people that, you know, you spend a fair few seasons riding out next to in, in sort of the same circles and, and doing the same thing in the morning uh, to see them do so well. So that was very, very rewarding. And the turf female category, a case could be made for warlike goddess with the winning the flower bowl leading up to her Philly Med turf try. She's been ultra consistent throughout the year. Two great threes. Glenn Falls, great two stakes win as well. But look, the Japanese bred and trained loves only you. She did only have one star here in the USA, but she made history by becoming the first ever Japanese bred, Japanese trained horse to win at the Breeders' Cup. Now, I know that one is supposed to look at the body of work for her stateside, but if you were to include what she's done throughout 2021, then she is 100% the deserving winner, aside from the fact that she did, of course, best warlike goddess 
in that Breeders' Cup filly mare turf try. She backed up that Breeders' Cup form with another victory in Hong Kong a month so or so later in the Hong Kong Cup at the Hong Kong International Races. And she already won the Group 1 Queen Elizabeth II Cup in Hong Kong before that as well. And then earlier in 2021, she held her own in the Dubai Shima Classic against Saudi Cup winner Mishrif the incredible talented chronogenesis so in my books loves only you is right up there and then again made history by becoming the first ever japanese horse to win an eclipse award so to me it was the right thing in terms of how the votes ended up being cast and i'm just so so excited for all her connections and what it means for that continuation of the Japanese contenders in terms of them competing with us and them taking out these top honors. I know that they're still hoping for a Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe win as well. So they're sending their contenders over every year. And that's the kind of sportsmanship that I, as a fan, am looking for and relish. So I highly commend the connections, the owner, the trainers for doing all of that. Now, Mill Turf category went to Yibir for Godolphin and Charlie Appleby. And he did actually secure two victories stateside, the Jockey Club Derby Invitational at Belmont, before holding off a slew of European challenges in a British Cup turf, which still to me represents that higher caliber of turf horse coming over to compete here. Now, I know domestic spending, of course, was in the picture as well for that award. But again, I do agree with uh, the way the champion honors uh, were handed out on the day. So that completes my uh, Eclipse Award review. I hope that kind of got you up to date with everything that happened in terms of the honors that evening. And after that, we all went on to the chandelier room where the after party was with some wonderful live music. A beautiful room there. There's a speakeasy hidden as well beautiful view of Santa Anita Park. I got to stay for the races the next day. I took the red eye. Don't ever take the red eye, guys. I don't know how anyone does it. I don't sleep on planes. That was tough, but it was so worth it because that view, the mountains behind Santa Anita Park and seeing horses compete at track, you know, with that kind of backdrop. It's it's the reason I fell in love with USA racing. It's the reason I wanted to come back. So really enjoyed spending uh, another day there before uh, returning to the Maryland circuit where we are right now. It's a little bit chilly in comparison to the 90 Fahrenheit. It's been about minus two Celsius throughout the day here. So um, yeah, I think I'm in need of some more sunshine. I wouldn't mind going back quickly. But look, we have an incredible weekend actually coming up here this Saturday, grade three, Barbara Fritchie, grade three, General George. Now to me, General George definitely has a lot of interest because we have Cordmaker, who's an absolute veteran local star here for trainer Rodney Jenkins, very much beloved by his jockey, Victor Carrasco as well, looking for that elusive graded stakes victory. So guys, tune in or come and join us. It'd be so great to have you there. Actually, the, the Fritchie day, was my first big stakes day as a broadcaster now two years ago when I joined the Maryland Jockey Club. So very fond memories of that day. Still remember the excitement. So a day that holds a special place in my heart 
And I hope you all uh, be following either by watching us on the simulcast, which you can also do online, laurelpark.com, or joining us at Laurel on this Saturday. Come and say hello if you do. And in the meantime, we're back again next week. I hope you all stay safe. 